0: Good morning, welcome here this morning, New Covenant Fellowship, Um, Eugene, Noah, great job, bud, appreciate that. I understand that we are not only here this morning, but we are projecting out into the airwaves this morning also for the very first time, and so we have uh, another group of people that are hopefully watching us this morning. Um, But the last time I was up here, Uh, which was about uh, three, four weeks ago, we were in the book of Job, specifically Job 23. And we looked at this chapter, and we came at this chapter from the angle of um, prayer and God's Word. In fact, Job 23.12 was kind of where we finished this message in Job twenty-three, twelve says, "I have not departed from the command of His lips; I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food." So God sends His life-giving word, and what should we believe? What should we believe about His word? Well, first of all, you know His word is without error; it can be understood. It's the most important word, and the most relevant word for us today and in any day or every day. You know, God's Word does not change. contains nothing corrupt. We can trust His Word. And His his Word never gets old. It never wears out. And so we're not totally sure how God communicated with Job. Um, Did Job have a scroll containing God's words to him? Did God speak to Job verbally? We really don't know. Maybe he did both. One thing we do know is that Job loved and treasured God's word with his whole being. He would have rather, as he says here, he would rather be in God's word than eat when he's hungry. So I want us to turn from the pages of Job this morning and and we'll go to the book of Hebrews and mainly we'll be in chapter 1 and we'll step into just one sentence in in chapter 2. But we will see that God is still communicating with his people. He's still communicating with mankind. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, as we will learn. And so the lesson today, if we could shrink it down to probably a sentence, is failure to listen to Jesus endangers our And the point, the whole point of chapter 1 of Hebrews is to make us realize this awesome value of God speaking to us through Jesus, His Son. And He reveals to us the way of salvation through His Son. We know this because chapter 1 begins with the words in verse 2 by saying, In these last days God has spoken to us by His Son. In other words, um, God is saying, this is my final word on the subject. And then we read in the first verse of chapter 2, Because of this, for this reason, therefore, whatever your version says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. If God did not reveal himself to us in his word, we would have no knowledge of the meaning of the cross and the resurrection of Christ, and neither our response to the gospel. You know, the gospel basically boils down to three things for us. What does that mean for us? You know, God speaks that we may know Him. It is nothing but pure grace on God's part that he, he speaks to us. We do not deserve His life-giving words. If God had not spoken, if you thought about that for a minute, if God had not spoken, where would we be? utter darkness, utter ignorance. So God is a communicating God. God seeks a relationship with us, intimately seeks a relationship with us. He is the initiator. He is the initiator. So to get into these first four verses of chapter 1, basically, verses 1 through 4 is basically this. Jesus explained. This is how Jesus is explained. He is described in these first verses, these four verses as prophet, priest, and king. Prophet for God in these last days has spoken to him, priest because he has provided purification for our sins, and then he is king. He sustains the world by his powerful word, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So let's read these first four verses, Hebrews chapter 1. And in this, we see Christ is superior to the prophets. Christ is superior to the prophets. Long ago, in many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, One of the first things we as Christians do when we begin to talk about Christ is that we usually jump to the work of Christ before talking about the person of Christ. This is typical and this is understandable. We get so excited about the work of Christ in our lives, that's the first place we usually go. But here um, in Hebrews, the author kind of keeps first things first. Who is Jesus is the first question that he, he wants to answer in these verses. So, one of the first things we notice here in, in these verses is God spoke. They reveal to us God has spoken before the coming of the Son of God into the world and then, then through the Son coming into the world. So, God is not silent. He talks to us, He is to be listened to, He is to be understood. This is the God who speaks, that we may know him better and love him with our whole being. As we see here, God is a communicating God. So, the first verse of chapter 1 tells us that God spoke long ago. The recipients were the fathers, and the words of God were delivered by the prophets. When God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, they heard God speaking. And God used chosen, inspired human beings to, to speak to the people of that day. He spoke, and, he, and his, if you read through the Old Testament, you know He spoke in many ways in that day. God spoke by visions, dreams, voices, burning bush, a pillar of fire, a donkey, and writing on a wall. So God is not silent once again. So what we have here in the Old Testament is we, we see, make, it makes clear to us that the Old Testament is worthy of acceptance and belief and it continues to function and is clearly accurate for our spiritual well-being. The Old Testament, we could say the Old Testament is one of promise and the New Testament is one of fulfillment of that promise. The second verse says we are now in the last days. And I think we all understand that as Christians. We understand that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the world will end soon. What the author is getting at here, it means we have entered the age when the great act of salvation has taken place. And the death and resurrection of Jesus has ushered this whole world into a new period of time. But please let us understand this very thing. In these last days, God has spoken a single way by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the contrast is long ago, God spoke in many ways to his people. There is now only one means of revelation. God communi- communicates his divine truth through his Son. So the point here is in these last days, God has done something stupendous. He's done something so marvelous, so wonderful for us in order to communicate to us. He sent his Son. And Jesus is so much more than a prophet. He is the Son of God. And that means He is God. The rest of verse 2 and through verse 4 spell out that Christ is the superior and final aid agent of God's redemption and the revealing of Himself. This is what God has said and we need to hear about whom Jesus is and we need to listen to Him more and more. To him, so I want to break down these um, four verses a little bit for us. Actually, verses two through four, and in this, the um, author is using Old Testament scripture to make seven affirmations about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he does this, and he does this for us to hopefully get a deeper understanding of the perk of Christ, the superiority of Christ. You know, who is Jesus Christ is what He is And that name, that excellent name is Lord. It means He is appointed as a reigning Lord. Let's move on in the chapter. <clears throat> this next section we see that Christ is superior to the angels. And this is the rest of the chapter, verses 5 through 14. The main point of verse 4 is that Jesus Christ is better than angels. We just read that. How he is better and how much he is better is what the rest of the chapter is about. Apparently thinking about angels had gotten out of hand in these churches that the writer of Hebrews was addressing. And it brings a question to my own mind. Do we... Think rightly about angels. We've heard a lot about angels and we continue to hear a lot about angels in the book of Revelation as Paul brings that to us. But um, John Piper made this statement in a question, rather. He says, Do we treat um, angels like, like puppies or kittens? Something cute and adorable, certainly nothing to be terrified of. But if we study the Scriptures, every time, usually most of the time when an angel shows up, people are terrified and they fall flat on their faces. These are powerful beings. So these remaining verses will kind of set our thoughts and beliefs in line with the Scripture of God. So verses 5 and 6, we have the superior worship of the Son. Verses 5 and 6, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He's speaking about the angels there. Which of the angels did God ever say? Then verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says that all God's angels worship him. So in verses 5 and 6, we have the superior worship of the son. Here, here the author or the writer makes the point that God never makes any claim of sonship for any angel. An angel may serve as God's messenger, agent, and witness, but not as God's son. So the argument is clear. Angels worship Christ, and it's not Christ who worship angels. They are no way equal to be compared to the Son of God. And God has never been called the Father of angels. Nor has any angel ever said at God's right hand. Verses 7-12 through 12 reveal the superior throne of the Son. Let's read that. Of the angels, he says, he makes the angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, up- of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the all of gladness beyond your companions. Verse 10, and you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. So through the psalmist here, the angelic host is described as a flame of fire. They they are described as God's messengers or servants. They enjoy God's presence. They carry out His purpose. However, they are only servants in God's court. But the sun is divine. Angels surround the throne of God. But the sun, what, sits on the throne? Again, it was it was through the sun that God created the world. So He makes a contrast here about what is uh, permanent and what is temporal. He said the contrast is clear. Creation will perish. It will wear out like clothing. The sun, on the other hand, will not. The sun is eternal. The sun is permanent. The created order is subject to change, decay, and destruction. The Son Jesus Christ, is unending, unchanging, and His years have no end. He knows no change. And then finally, the rest of um, chapter 1 here, verses 13 and 14. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So he, he, the writer ends his argument the same way he began with this question. You know, God promised the Christ utter dominion over the world. He is the only Son of God. He is the singular Son of God. And He is the agent of creation and redemption. In verse 14, which we like to think about, but is for us who believe in Christ that angels are sent from God's throne room to work for the good of the church. Angels are remarkable, but they pale in comparison to the Son of God, the Redeemer. They pale in comparison to Jesus Christ. He is superior to every angel. I like this quote from John Piper again. Again, God created angels that His Son might be glorified and His people might be satisfied. That's, that's the purpose of angels right there in one sentence. That His Son may be glorified, that we might be satisfied. Chapter 2, and we'll step into verse 1 here and go no further. You know, in chapter 1, we're not told to do anything. The whole of chapter 1 establishes the superiority of Christ over prophets, over angels, over everything. You know, chapter 1 declares the final, God's final word to the world is through His Son, Jesus Christ. All that God has said is rooted and points toward Jesus. But here in chapter um, 2... In verse 1, the first thing we read is a command. And it's something we we must do. You know, your Bible, whatever, whatever it says, for this reason or therefore, and what that is doing is, is telling us we need to make a good application of what we've just heard. How do we apply what we just heard? That duty... Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift from it. Your Bible may say so that we may not drift from it. It's almost like it's asking, a, you know, read between the lines here a little bit, but it's almost like it's asking us a question here. Um, Have you purposed to pay attention to the Word of God through His Son? Well, if you have, you need to pay more close attention to the Word of God through His Son. In fact, much closer attention. Maybe we're not doing enough. So Jesus both demands and deserves to be heard. So what we have heard so far in all of this, in these last days, God has spoken by his Son. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to this word that he has spoken. So God has spoken by his Son. We need to listen, and we need to listen very carefully. And uh, This is a command we so desperately need to hear in our day and time. You know, it begs the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what are, what am I or what are you listening to or to whom are you listening? What are we giving the most attention to? Who's getting our ear? Who's getting our attention? You know, at all times, somebody somewhere is trying to get our attention by either delivering a message, commercials, internet, Twitter, I think it's called X now if I'm up to par, politics, conversations, and a thousand other things that flood our eyes and our ears. In fact, today, at this particular moment, there are distractions going through your mind. What am I going to have for lunch? Will Cokie ever finish? Tomorrow is another work day. Tomorrow is another school day. What am I going to do the rest of the day? We're we're human and that goes on. We have to admit that. There are a thousand voices shouting at us all the time. But according to God's Word, there's only one verse, voice that we listen to intently. And it goes without saying, but we probably should say it anyway, we as Christians must go and listen to God's Word in Jesus. You know, in fact, it's exceedingly necessary that we go on giving all of our attention to Jesus as the Word of God. You know, we cannot treat this casually. Mm-hmm. We cannot act as if we've already already know all we need to know. Somehow know that I've reached my sanctification. Or oh, that, I have nothing to gain anymore from listening to Jesus. But that's what we're saying when we don't listen. That I already know all I need to know, or hey, I have nothing to gain anymore. I've learned all I can learn. So what happens if we don't listen? Well, the word here is drift. And it's given as a warning. And this is not the only command given here to us in this book of Hebrews here. There, there, and we'll cover those. It, it's, not, it's, it's a warning that, hey, wake up and listen closely. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. So he's telling us to consider Jesus. That's the point. We, only, we need to listen to Jesus. We need to consider Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. A third command, found in chapter 12, verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race set be, that is set before us. Doing what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So these are the daily challenges for us. That we need to listen, that we need to consider, and we need to look at Jesus. The Christian life is first and foremost a life of meditating on Jesus, listening, considering, and fixing our eyes on his life. Get to the explanation of the word drift. We all know what drift means. What drift means to float. It means to float on by like a stick or a log or maybe appropriately like a, a dead fish in water. And you, We know it takes no motion to really float, does it? All one need, really needs to do is nothing in order to float. You just float on by. And the problem is, for all of us, is none of us with that great effort, drifts toward Jesus. You know, the, what, what, what hinders, what's so much here, we get back to distractions. The messages of this world are still sinful desires. And the temptations of this world pull us way off course. So we cannot float in place. We're either swimming toward Jesus or we're drifting somewhere else, possibly to destruction. Failure to listen to Jesus endangers our spiritual walk. I'll close with this. In 2022, Lifeway Research and Ligonier Ministry combined together to release a report on the state of theology in the church. And I get this from a book D is reading right now uh, titled, You Are a Theologian. And it it's written by Jen Wilkin and J.T. English. But what they, what they did was they surveyed both Christians and non-Christians on their understanding of basic Christian theology. And the results for non-Christians was, was predictable. But the results among professing Christians Is alarming. They made these four statements and they asked whether they agreed or not. Statement number one to them was God learns and adapts to different circumstances. 48% of Christians agreed. Statement number two, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. 65% of Christians surveyed agreed. Statement number three, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 56% of Christians agreed. Final statement, Jesus was a great teacher But he was not God. Forty-three percent of Christians agreed. And that's up from 30% in 2022. So it's getting worse. This is alarming. It's disturbing. And sadly, it's, it's the story of many denominations today. Churches, families, individuals. And one of the statements they made from this book is that um, we are making more converts than we are disciples. We save them, then we go on our way. And they're lost with the basic theology, the basic beliefs of Christianity. Christianity. So we end up being ignorant of the Word of God to us by His Son. It's a little bit at a time. Somebody said we don't wake up one day and all of a sudden we're atheists. It's a little bit of a time. It's a drift. It's a slow drift. A lot of times you understand with the analogy of you're in the ocean and you're kind of drifting along and next thing you know, you're way. The tide has come without your knowledge and put you way down the beach line. In fact, we panic. I've been there. I've done that. You probably have too. But we do this a little bit of the time by slowly minim- minimizing our convictions. We're unwilling to draw boundaries. And we're unwilling to speak clearly about our Christian faith. You know, I was um, studying this, and I was led to um, this uh, another a prophet of of God, Isaiah, well known Isaiah. And Isaiah writes this in chapter twenty nine. These are verses thirteen and fourteen, and I read from the NIV. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by man. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligent of the intelligent will vanish. So when we lose our reverence for the spoken Word of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, it, it becomes lip service and a heart far removed. We are like dead fish floating along. And because of that, what does God say? You, we will lose any wisdom. We will lose any understanding. We will lose any discernment of the word of God, and we are left ignorant and fools. Now, I thought th- during this week, I thought about adding this, and I've hemmed and hawed, and I think I should add this this morning. Um, just a testimony to the word of God. I was in court this week, and a, a trial—well, actually wasn't trial—it already had been settled. The, the um, defendant was pleading guilty, but um, evidence came out of what happened at, at an accident, car accident, happened in this county, and cut it short. A um, pastor was killed on his way to a Bible study during the week, he was riding a motorcycle. The other person was in a vehicle. So you can, it was a head-on. You can, un, you can only imagine um, what happened there. But in the pictures they showed, it was just these, this debris strewn all the way. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to talk about it. There was this debris all over the highway. But on the yellow line, the Bible was sitting spine up, just like that. You can think whatever you want to think about that. But I think God was drawing attention in all of this mess, all of this tragedy. Here is my word. So, who is Jesus? What has he done? And why is that important to us? Jesus is the Son of God, the Heir of all things. He made the world. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of His power. He made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God in majesty. He is greater than any angel. Angels worship Him. He is mighty God. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to Him. So, are we listening? Let us treasure Jesus, our Creator and Redeemer. He is worthy. He is supreme over All things. May God bless the preaching of His Word. Amen.